We're going to open up in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you that your presence is here. There is nowhere else we'd rather be than in your presence. Won't you speak to us? I pray that I will get out of the way and you will speak to every one of our hearts, God, that you'll give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and we will leave here changed by your presence. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Awesome. Awesome to see you guys all here this Sunday. We're starting a brand new series and it's entitled Built to Last. That's a pretty good title, don't you think? We'd all like to be built to last. Our bodies, our cars, our houses, our souls, right? So it's a pretty good title. And to kick it off, I'm going to be talking about the subject of identity and the power of understanding your identity. And I actually wrote here, identity has such a profound effect on the life that you're going to lead and on the person that you are going to become, okay? If you can understand your identity, it's really going to affect the life that you lead and the person that you become. So now obviously I'm doing research on identity and I love to see what secular people say about identity and read a few articles and something I found super interesting, probably because of the World Cup fever and everything that's going on. I read an article where they said they did a study on on world-class sportsmen and sportswomen. And they found this global trend all around the world in both genders that people who became very successful in their sport from a very young age, before they were successful, okay, when they were very little, they believed that they had greatness inside of them. And they believed that they would one day be the best of the best in their chosen sport. Okay, now don't hear what I'm not saying. They still had to put in the hours... And I tell my kids this all the time, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So you can believe all you want that you're going to be great. If you don't put in the hard work, you're never going to get there. But you don't normally put in the hard work if you don't think that you can actually become something. Are you with me? And so the study showed that pretty much there was this massive trend where people who became great in sport, it was almost sewn into their identity that they have the ability to be great. They believed that greatness was a part of their destiny. And that's, I just thought that was pretty interesting. At first I was like, wow, that's a bit arrogant. But the, the more you think about it, it makes sense. If you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to put in the efforts. And so identity is a powerful thing. Another thing I thought was super interesting about identity when I'm, when I'm Googling it, you know how Google takes you all over the place, is that identity theft is such a big deal in 2023. Hold your ID books close. Don't share that information. I was actually blown away. They said identity theft has gone massive. And in the USA, their equivalent of SARS, I don't know, let's call it the American Revenue Service or whatever, I don't know. That equivalent, they were saying in the last five years, identity thieves, what they do is they will take your details, set up a fake bank account and put in a tax return. And their equivalent of SARS will get fooled and pay out the money. Clearly, they have too much money, hey, because we know how hard we have to work for our returns. They will pay out the money into a fake bank account, and over the last five years, guess how much money they've given out to to fraudsters? $25 billion. Identity theft is a big deal. All around the world, and I think that's because we've gone online, and it's become, you put in your details, and it's pretty easy to get people's details. 
But the thing that I really want you to remember and why I brought up identity theft is that there is somebody who is far more dangerous than the identity thieves that are out there, okay? There is someone who would like to steal your identity um, more than he wants your money or your tax return, and his name is Satan or the devil, okay? He's the ultimate identity thief. I want to stress this this morning. He's dangerous and hungry to steal your identity. Now, stay with me. I know this can sound weird. But you must understand, if he can steal your true identity, who you are as a child of God, if he can stop you from believing that you're a child of God and you have access to the promises of God, he can steal your destiny. Are you with me? And so that is something we have to be on our guard about as we go into this series. If we're going to build to last, we have to hang on to our true identity. Remember, Satan cannot create, okay? Only God can create, but he can distort, pervert, destroy. He will use anything in his arsenal to rob you of your true identity. Are you guys with me? And why does he want to do that? Because you knowing your true identity will determine whether you reach your destiny. Who wants to reach the destiny? Come on, we got one life, we got one chance, and then we live with our decisions for an eternity. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2. We're talking about Moses and it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, And kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And that's God. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Moses, who knows the story of Moses? A lot of you will know the story. Some of you won't. Moses was born in a time when the Jewish nation were slaves in Egypt, right? And Pharaoh was leading the land and they were pretty much using the Jewish people as their slaves. So they were doing all the work. But the Jewish families kept on producing boys. And Pharaoh wasn't stupid. He thought, flip, if they carry on producing all these boys, they're going to become strong enough to overthrow us, okay? And then we're going to lose our slaves. And so they started to kill every Jewish boy that was born. You guys remember that story. Now Moses' mother gave birth to Moses, a little boy, and she didn't want her baby boy to die. She puts him in a basket, sends him down the river, and he gets found by Pharaoh's daughter. He ends up growing up in in Pharaoh's palace, living as an Egyptian prince, right? That's how he ends up growing up. That's what he thinks his identity is. He thinks he's an Egyptian prince. And then eventually he finds out he's not an Egyptian prince. He's actually a son of a Jewish family. And he's living in the house of the rulers who are destroying his people. And once he's realized that his identity is not what he thought it was, everything changed for Moses. He had a boldness and he had a, um, yeah, a conviction. And he ends up killing these Egyptians who are beating the Jewish people and treating them badly. You guys are with me. And then he flees for his life. And that's actually where this verse comes in. 
And he, God uses him powerfully. He first flees because he knows now he's, 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 he's crossed the line. He's, everyone now knows he's not actually for the Egyptians. But he comes back and God uses him to, fl- to free the Jewish nation. And God uses him to part the Red Sea. That's a pretty cool thing to be a part of. But that's where Hebrews 11 verse 27 comes in. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, keeping his eye, sorry, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on God. What did Moses do? Because he he got a grasp of his true identity. The first thing he did was he got the courage to let go of the past. And the second thing he did was he got the courage to walk into his future. Amen? He walked away from everything he knew, from living in the palace, from being an Egyptian prince, and he walked into being a child of God, a Jewish boy who was called by God, who was anointed, who was actually called to set a nation free. Moses left the land of Egypt. It would have taken him a lot of courage to leave the palace. Would you agree? Pretty comfortable being in the palace, being the grandchild of of Pharaoh, and then you're running for your life. Where do you get that kind of courage from, right? And what does the land of Egypt represent to you and I? Because a lot of us, we have our own little Egypts that we're sitting in, and we need courage to walk away from it. Now, biblically, Egypt would always represent some kind of bondage or some kind of slavery. Okay, you might be going, Leanne, I'm not in bondage, I'm not in slavery. Uh, You might actually be and not even realize it. I want you just to think for a moment. What is keeping you in bondage? What is your Egypt? What is controlling you? What would you like to walk away from confidently and boldly if you had the courage? Now, it might be anxiety. If you're a parent, maybe you feel anxious. I had to let my daughter go on her first um, tour, and like I wanted to put a flipping implant in her so I knew where she was at all times. You know, it's scary. Like, she doesn't sleep over, and now she's in a dorm room. Like, she's only 10. You know what I mean? She was turned 11 now, like a few weeks ago, but she was 10 then, so I'm claiming 10. But as a parent, you can get anxious. Or was it just me? Is it just me, guys? Thank you, James. It's me and James. But it can be scary being a parent, and you've got to fight anxiety. Do our kids have a future? Will they get a job? Are they going to be safe when they grow up? You know what I've heard so many times? I don't know if we should have kids one day. It's a sick world. Have you ever heard that? People say things like that. I will never, ever forget. I think some of you have heard my story. I was in Checkers. It was like the day before Christmas. And I had my, it was right before lockdown, so 2.19. And I have my precious little girls in the trolley with me. They would have been about, I don't know, six and four at the time or maybe seven and five. And I'm, I'm pushing them in the trolley and they are my pride and joy. And I bump into an old school friend who I haven't seen since we were like 18. And um, I'm like, oh, these, we're talking. I'm like, yeah, these are my daughters. And she goes, I see. And now I'm ready to like introduce them with the look on her face. And before I can say anything else, she says, I'm never having kids. 
She says, I think it's cruel to bring children into this sick world. And my kids are listening to her. She's like, this world is messed up. I don't know how people can do it. And I was so taken aback. I was so shocked. I just kind of stared at her. I'm like, is she joking? You know, like, is she, is she going to start laughing and go, ha, 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 your kids are beautiful. But she wasn't joking. She was dead serious. But I was too stunned to actually reply. I've thought of my reply many times since then. But you know what I actually should have, a godly reply would have been, you know what? As Christians, because this is a Christian girl, as Christians, we cannot stop having children because we need to be, ra- yes, the world's pretty messed up, but we need to be raising kids who know the truth, who know their identity, who know that they are children of God. They are called by God. He has a plan to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them hope and a future. When he created them in my womb, he had a destiny for them and it was good. He's not taken by surprise by 2043. He knows what's coming. They will be equipped. They will be anointed. They will be called. And they need to be there because they're going to be the future presidents, policymakers, doctors, lawyers, teachers. And we need people of influence. So we better have children. You guys better have children. All of you. If you're under 40, except for me. Dita and Abby said they'll have another three just to help the kingdom. Hey? There we go. And he just said amen in church. But are you with me? What's the truth? The truth is God's in control. Our kids have a hope. They're carrying Jesus. They are the hope of the world. That's why these, these dedications are so serious. Because those three kids are going to be game changers in their workplace, in their universities, in their schools. They were brought into the world for such a time as this. And our God is big enough for whatever the future is going to throw at them. Maybe your prison is not anxiety. Maybe you're super calm like Andre. Oh, he's so calm. I'm the hysterical one. Maybe your Maybe your Egypt is being a people pleaser. Maybe you're so concerned about what people think of you that you, you're trying to make everyone happy and you don't even know who you are anymore because you agree with this one and you agree with that one and you do whatever that one asks. And then you go, what do I actually like? I don't know. I like making people happy. That's all I know. Anyone ever been there? You don't have to put up your hand. People might take advantage of you. I trust all of you. But it's a real thing. And you're not called to live like that because we get insecure. We second guess ourselves. Approval addiction is crippling. And we were only created to live for the approval of one, for an audience of one. And that's our God. But of course, as Moses as is pointed out in Hebrews, he's the unseen God. So it's, it's very easy to try and... Pr- pr- get approval from people right in front of us. There's a God we can't see, but he's the one whose approval we need. It's the only approval that matters. And he loves you. He created you. I say this all the time, but he created you on purpose for a purpose. And he loves you so much. You are his. And what gives you your worth? Not what other people think about you. Your worth comes from who you belong to. Come on. We're all very excited about netball right now. 
I took my girls to a few, well, not a few games, two games, flipping expensive, those tickets. But they were selling the World Cup balls everywhere, the Gilbert balls. Now, if I had to go and buy a Gilbert ball, a World Cup ball, it would probably cost me 350 rand, okay? I think I didn't buy one. And if I signed it, Leanne Griff, and then I tried to sell it, people would go, this is now secondhand. I'd be lucky if I got 200 rand, hey, because now I've scribbled on it. But if Carlo Pretorius, one of the best goal defenses that's ever played netball, have you guys seen the interceptions she's been making over the World Cup? If Carlo Pretorius signed that Gilbert ball that cost 350 rand, I know many people would pay thousands of rand for that ball. If she had been practicing with it, um, defending with it, I almost said shooting, she does not shoot, I wouldn't want to see her shoot. But if she had been defending and, 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 and doing drills with that ball and her signature was on it, because it belonged to Carla, it would be worth thousands. Are you with me? Where does the value of the ball come from? Who it belongs to. You belong to the creator of the universe. You are valuable. You matter. You count. You've got a destiny and an identity. And when Moses Realize that everything changed. Knowing your true identity gives you the courage to walk away from whatever you need to walk away from to live in freedom. Next, we read in that passage from Hebrews that he kept on going. Moses had to keep on walking into his destiny, right? He did a lot of walking. He walked He got a wife, he settled, he had to build up some courage, he had to walk back to Pharaoh, there was the negotiations and the plagues and all of that, and then eventually he had to walk with the entire Jewish nation following him through the Red Sea. Pretty terrifying, hey, to walk through the Red Sea. But he got that courage because he knew who he was, he was a child of God, he was called, he wasn't on his own. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things become new. What does that mean? It can sound like a lot of words. It means when you receive Jesus by faith and you ask him to be Lord of your life, you're forgiven of all your sins and you get a whole new identity in Christ. Right? Do any of you guys think it's weird when people say, are you born again? Just me. It's always just me. But like, are you born again? Oh, that, can, that can be very Christianese. It can sound strange. It's just saying, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you been given that fresh start, that clean slate, that new destiny as a child of God? See, once Moses discovered his true identity, he walked into his destiny. And then he never looked back, but his eyes were fixed on his God. His eyes were fixed on his God. Come on, it's so easy to get distracted in 2023. I know. It's distracting. There's so much happening in the world, so much grabbing our attention. Our eyes need to be fixed on our God. It's like there's there's a parable in the Bible where they say, fix your eyes on God, um, you know, run the race, keep your eyes on the finish line. God is the finish line. Heaven is the finish line. Have you ever seen an Olympic runner running in the Olympics and 
in the middle of the race, turning to their parents and waving for a picture. Have you ever seen it? No, it's actually a ridiculous thought, right? Like, Anissa had a really bad concussion right before the race. It's, you're never going to see that. You'll see a great R doing it. And you'll, if you live in Malpus, the parents are like, no, what are you doing? Because like, we're competitive in Malpus, hey? Again, just me. But this is a true story. Juliana, my eldest, she was very into her swimming before she became obsessed with her netball. And um, she would swim these galas. And Andre and I are competitive. And she would, she'd dive in and she'd be doing pretty well. But she'd always want to look where the competition was, right? So she'd look to the side. How close are they to me? And I'd be like, after the race, Juliana, you did so well. But why are you looking to the side? Like, girl, keep your chin on your chest. What did your coach say? Chin on your chest, girlfriend. You'll go much faster. And we actually drilled it into her so much. I'll never forget, at like the age of eight, she swam a 25-meter freestyle race without breathing once. <laughs> her chin was on her chest. Listen, she did like a record time. Um, but now she just plays mostly netball, so means just for fun. But are you getting the point? Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize. If you're a swimmer, it's touching the finish line. You're just going to slow down if you're looking at from left to right and seeing you're comparing yourself with everyone else. And comparison is a massive thief of joy and your destiny. Stay in your lane, your race, your pace. Don't compare yourself. Don't look at somebody else's marriage. Oh my gosh, they never fight. My husband and I always fight. Why can't we have a marriage like them? Don't do that. It's going to steal your joy. If you're married, you're stuck with them for life. But in all seriousness, I always get worried when I hear that a couple never fights. Because a little bit of conflict is healthy, right? If you're not fighting, it means someone's lost themselves. And that's not always healthy. And if you are fighting all the time, you are stuck with each other. So James and Jess said they'll counsel you as much as you need. Hey, James. But don't compare yourself. Stay in your lane. Keep your head down. Maybe you're in the worship team and you're going, I'm always the backup singer. That's okay. Don't get upset because somebody else is leading the song. I promise you, God is your promoter, not Saki or Martine or the, 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 the worship leader. They are not your promoter. They're just a human. God is your promoter. And if He wants you leading worship, nothing's going to stop Him from, from getting you there. I promise you that. Just be the best backup singer there ever was on this church. Come prayed up, come fired up, and God will promote you. Who's your promoter? God is your promoter. Where are your eyes fixed? They're fixed on your God who created you, who called you, who has a destiny for you. And He says in His Word, if you're faithful with the little, He'll give you more. So be faithful. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Knowing who you are. You can walk boldly, away from your past and you can move towards your destiny. When I was closing, of course, we were singing that song, I'm going to build my life upon this rock. And 
Those are beautiful words and those are powerful words. And now I heard an illustration. Actually, Andre told it to me and I didn't quite get it at first. I had to really think about it, but I get it now. And you know, if we decide to build something on sand, it's never a, a firm foundation, right? It's always easy in the beginning. You can mold sand pretty easily. It listens to you, right? But it's not a firm foundation. If the rain comes, whatever you've built is going to get washed away. Sand castles get washed away. They're easy to build, but they get washed away. You build on a rock. You build on our God, on His Word, on His promises. The rock will shape what you build. Right? If you, if you buy a plot of land with a rock into it, you're going to have to build your house with a couple of weird levels. Are you with me? Because rock is very expensive and very difficult to excavate. So the rock will shape what you build. If we're going to be people who are built to last, we need to build our lives on the rock and let Him shape us. Remember, He made you. He created you. He loves you. And he's called you. I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet. Lord Jesus, as your church, we surrender to you this morning. Lord, we want to build lives that last for eternity, God. We want to build lives that have an eternal significance. So I pray, God, today and over the next couple of weeks, won't you cement in us who we are, God, and whose we are. And that we're called, Lord that we're created by You on purpose, for a purpose. Lord, speak to our hearts, God. Lord, show us what Egypts we need to walk away from. In Jesus' name, God, thank You that You have called us to walk in freedom and in peace and in joy. And thank You that nothing is too hard for You. We love You, Jesus. We love Your presence. Just while we stay in this attitude of worship, with every head bowed, out of respect, if you are here this morning, you need to know that you can only actually take on being a new creation and you can only actually be, well, you can only take on the identity of being a child of God if you're in a relationship with Jesus. Coming to church doesn't make you in a relationship with Jesus, just like parking in a garage doesn't make you a car. But there's a God who loves you and He wants to know you and He wants to walk with you and He wants to give you courage and boldness. And if you're not in a relationship with Him, today is your day. You are not here by accident. Maybe you were in a relationship with Jesus, but you know that you've drifted far away. I want to give you an opportunity to say, Leanne, I want to get into a relationship with Jesus. It was the best decision I ever made. I know it's the best decision you will ever make. And so with every head bowed out of respect, I'm going to count to three and ask you to put your hand up boldly so that I can pray for you. And the reason I ask you to do that is because Jesus actually says in His Word, if you, if you stand up for me before man, I will stand up for you before my Father in heaven. He's bold for you. He was bold for you. So now you get to be bold for Him. With every head bowed out of respect, if you want to get into a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to count to three. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can just pop your hand up so I can see it. Just pop it up that I can see it. And then you take it down. I see those two hands. That's awesome. I see that hand. That's awesome. I see that hand. It's awesome. 
any other hand, just pop it up so I can see it. Don't want you to miss out on this moment. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else, I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. Just pop it up so I can see it. Okay. Can we pray together? Is that cool? Because we're in this together as a church family. Will you guys pray with me boldly? Here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life, to forgive me of my sins. I want to enter into a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to love you. And I want to walk with you every day. Thank you that the Bible says that I'm now saved and I'm changed. I'm a new creation and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' precious name, amen.